Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Coming up this week, construction permits have surfaced for Disney's Hollywood Studios. Disney Cruise Line cuts their commission to travel agents. And the final year of the Osborne Family Spectacle of Light started yesterday, and we'll have coverage for you coming up. We're also going to have the top 10 trip planning threads from disboards.com for the month of October. All that coming up next. From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode 859 for the week of November 3rd, 2015. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show, coming to you live from the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner. joined at the table this week by my good friends, back from Paris, John Magi. Hi, everybody. Kevin Close. Hi, everyone. Jenny Lynn Knopp. Hello. Who was not in Paris. Uh, nope, unfortunately not. <laughs> Our Disboards community manager, Jackie Gailey. Hi, everyone. And back in the production, Nook associate producer, Rhino Clavin. Hello. Along with Steve Jr. Porter. Hello. And our producer, Mr. Craig Williams. Hey. So welcome to the show, everybody. Glad you could make it. We're happy to be here. Certainly happy to have John and Kevin back. And whoever did not turn off their phone, please do so. <laughs> That would be me. It's my phone. It's my iPad. Okay. Sorry. Um, but really glad to have you guys back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's we been had, like six months since I've seen you. a long time. We had a great time. Incredible, incredible trip. Good. Good. All right. A couple things in housekeeping. First, just want to encourage everyone to send us your questions, comments, or suggestions by going to disunplugged.com slash contact or sending us an email at uh, podcast at disunplugged.com. And uh, most of these are getting answered in the solo show, which I'm getting ready to record another one soon. Uh, and I'm having fun with that. So uh, go ahead and send it in. You can also just uh, record a voicemail from the disunplugged.com slash contact page. So you don't even have to use your phone. Just go ahead and record right from your computer. And maybe I'll play it on the show. And maybe I'll start giving stuff away for, for that. I don't know. But you won't know unless you send something in. Um, also, just want to let everybody remind everybody that show notes for this show, uh, everything that we discuss, links to everything we talk about, including our news stories, disunplugged.com. It's where you'll find all our shows, all our archives of past shows, uh, everything you're going to want to know about Disunplugged. Disunplugged.com. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up this week for some of our other shows, the Disneyland edition of the Disunplugged airs live on Mixler.com. That's audio only. 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific, M-I-X-L-R.com. Those shows go up on Mondays and Tuesdays on iTunes. This week, the Disneyland team, uh, on this week's Disneyland edition, Michael Bowling continues his celebration of Disneyland's 60th anniversary with a look at Tomorrowland 1967. And the team talks about the best, best things about the holidays at Disneyland Resort. I guess it is time to start talking about the holidays, isn't it? We are there. It's November. Cracker Barrel's been talking about it since July. Actually, <laughs> actually parts of Disneyland Paris were decorated for Christmas already. The resorts were decorated. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Disunplugged.com, The Trip with Jenny Lindop and Teresa Eccles. What are you guys talking about this week? We ventured out to Shake Shack on International Drive to see what all the fuss was about. 
Okay. So we'll be reviewing that. Awesome. That's Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, disunplugged.com. And of course, Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, disunplugged.com. The Universal Edition of the Disunplugged with your host and star, Craig Williams and Jenny Lynn Knopp and Rhino Clavin. And I think I, I think Junior needs to start showing up for that show. Eh, I'm no expert, but I can try. I can help. You can, I can bring that. You bring I can help. I can help. Yeah. Mm. You can also talk to, to a good um, start. <laughs> well, no, look, the, your, your grammar will go very well with Craig's. That's <laughs> true. Posthumous. <laughs> so what do you what do you got coming up for us this week, Craig? Uh, this week we're talking about uh, Back to the Future: The Ride and how it has basically the ride itself. For those of you who were never around to see it, and then how it's kind of shaped uh, Universal's whole pattern now of building a simulator for every single attraction that they put up. So should be cool. interesting. Cool, nice geeky conversation. A little bit. Awesome. Awesome. So that's what's coming up this week on the Dis Unplugged family of shows. And I think we have a couple of other things in housekeeping. Kevin? I do. Uh, first of all, we have ABD trips coming up for next year. We have a trip to northern Italy, August 28th through September 2nd. We have 11 seats left. If you want to wow. go, let me know. Uh, we also have an exclusive backstage magic, October 23rd through the 28th. Uh, that's it. If you want to go, Kevin at Dreams Unlimited Travel. I also was asked to let you all know that Beach Warmer uh, on the boards is uh, having a sign-up for people who want to volunteer for Give Kids the World the weekend of Dizapalooza. It's Saturday from 7.30 to 11.30-ish, and there are jobs for everyone. There are all sorts of jobs available, and she's got a certain number of spots that she actually has to relinquish because other people want to volunteer. So if you're interested, there's a thread on the board and go look there and let her know that you'd like to play. We'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes page. If you just make sure we give that to Craig and he'll put that in the show notes so people have it. Awesome. Anything else for housekeeping? I do. Speaking of Dizapalooza, I have some information I want to share with everybody out there. Uh, I know you're all anxious for updates and what's going on. A little bit later this week, probably this weekend, we're going to start sending out emails for people to sign up for the bus transportation. If you're staying in a Walt Disney World resort, we'll have bus transportation to the event and back. You'll receive an email that uh, allows you to sign up. The cost will be very minimal. It's going to be $10 per person round trip, just so we cover our costs for that. Um, there'll be a lot of information in that as well as, as far as direction goes. If you didn't sign up for transportation or you don't know if you did, don't worry. Everyone's going to get this email, so you'll have a chance to sign up for that. Um, I've been asked a lot about if I'm not home, when my credentials arrive, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? We've worked it out with Universal that they are actually going to distribute credentials at the event. So what you're going to need is you're going to need an ID, a photo ID, so that they can check your name on a list and give you the credentials when you arrive at the event. So don't worry about your address and don't worry about giving, telling me you're at Disney beforehand or on a cruise or whatever. That's how we'll handle that. And then one other piece of information I want to give out, we've been told no one can come in costume and no one can wear a mask to this. So please don't come in costume because they will turn you away at the door. So like no robes and Harry Potter stuff? and No, no nothing like that at all. Okay. I was going to dress as my favorite uh, gay Disney character, Lightning the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Judge Claude Prolo. No. 
He's my second favorite gay Disney character. That's it. He was your favorite for a while. You should be embarrassed. I should be embarrassed. I stole that joke from somebody. All right. Thank you, John. Anything else for housekeeping? I have one. Um, That uh, rapid fire I did last week, I misread um, part of this article. and uh, this gentleman, Stephen... This on the Tower of Terror, Terror? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do that as a, a follow-up news story, so we can talk about it. Then. Oh, okay, cool. Never mind then. Someone didn't pay attention in our meeting. Yeah, really. We just went over that. I yesterday. thought you were addressing it as in, I should address it because I made the mistake. No, That's why. I told you I was doing it as a follow-up. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Way to pay attention. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Going once, going twice. Over to Johnny with the news. God, that happened really fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Construction permits surface for Disney Hollywood Studios. Photos have surfaced of a permit application for some of the construction work planned at Disney's Hollywood Studios. The documents were filed with the South Florida Water Management District and show that work should start in January of 2016 and be completed by October of 2018. Hmm. The permit shows plans for new water infrastructure to be built in and around the theme park to get the area ready for, quote, the parking expansion and rehabilitative construction, end quote, that is planned. It, is also, it also mentions a new entrance ramp coming from Osceola Parkway and a construction access road from World Drive to the theme park. It was announced at the D23 Expo that Hollywood Studios would be getting a new Star Wars land and Toy Story land, but not many more details about these expansions have been made known. And just to caution everyone that may think that completed by October 2018 means that, you know, 2019 is going to see the opening of these new lands. This is for infrastructure. Right, exactly. This is what, how long it's going to take just to get the infrastructure in place. So we are, we, we now have our first glimpse at what the time frame might be for this and I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say 2021 before this opens. I think we're going to be looking at solidly 5 years uh before this opens. I think they'll start rolling certain things out when they can. But if the infrastructure isn't going to be completed until 2018, they can't begin primary construction until then. And for what we're talking about two massive new lands I don't see how that happens in under three years. And 2021, that may that may even be uh, uh, optimistic. It's talking about two-thirds of Hollywood Studios is going to be redone. It's almost a whole new theme park. Yeah. I mean, it's it's huge. Well, and they have to, I read they have to move, like, the wetland. Because of the way they're going to redo the, some of the stuff, they have to, like, move the wetland that's there to a different spot, too. So, like, you're going to think they're going to have to dig and create these new water areas. That's It's just... It's crazy, but like the environmental impact that we don't even think about that happens when they do this. So true. So, a, a glimpse, the first, the first indication of what the time frame may be for this, because I know that is that has been on my mind. I think it's been on everyone's mind. What is you know, how long you know is it done yet? You know, basically. They're talking in chat, and it makes sense. I bet they push for the fiftieth anniversary. Hmm. Yeah. Which would be 2021. Which would be 2021. Yeah, that would be a great time to do it. So I may be, I may be right again. We'll see. Maybe. But I'm just, you know, they, Disney hasn't, hasn't said anything about when, uh, when that's, you know, what, what, their, what their time frame is on that. So, but interesting article 
in uh, on the Motley Fool website the other day talking about how um, they're saying, and that's a, this is an investor website, um, they're saying by 2020, Epcot will be the least visited Disney theme park in the United States. I saw that. Um, really? That when they look at the attendance growth over the last... I want to say they were looking at over the last five years. It might have been longer. But when they look at the attendance growth, Epcot has had the smallest, is the only one of the theme parks that has not had double-digit attendance growth in that period. And they're saying based on what's coming to Hollywood Studios, what they're doing at Animal Kingdom, what they've just done at the Magic Kingdom, uh, what's coming to Disneyland in terms of Star Wars, uh, what's been happening with California Adventure, that Epcot is the park that gets left behind. And that by 2020, Epcot will be the least visited Disney theme park in the United States. So um, I don't know if I... That That means more room in the park for me. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if I agree with that. But I think it's certainly an an interesting argument. You know, Epcot relies on these events. You know, the food and wine, flower and garden. The holidays. All that stuff. Flower and wine. Right, exactly. <laughs> Food and garden. Wine and wine. Yeah, they've kind of they've kind of meshed now. It wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if they run together. Yeah, could be. I actually and, uh, Go ahead. I actually wrote an article about how I think Future World is not really futuristic anymore. Futuristic if it's like nineteen ninety five maybe. It's just I don't know, I've and it's kinda like if you look at Ellen's energy adventure and a lot of the rides in Future World are kind of not really keeping up with. I mean, Test Track had its updates and stuff, but it's just not. Don't you remember when they redid? You might not. <laughs> Sorry, you might not have been born. He's twelve. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, when they redid Tomorrowland, right? They said the hardest thing to do was keep up with what tomorrow looks like. Mm-hmm. So they went for retro Tomorrowland with the sort of Jules Verne. Exactly, and that kept... Because uh, well, that's exactly what they did at Disneyland Paris. Uh, right. That's the, the vision of Tomorrowland. Well, they don't even call it Tomorrowland in there. They call it Discoveryland. Discoveryland, exactly. So it's... I think one of the hardest things to do is keep predicting what the future might bring. Mm-hmm. So maybe the word future world, maybe that needs to be changed. Maybe Discovery mm-hmm. World or something like that. But I think that's probably the hardest hardest piece of the puzzle. Yeah, makes sense. All right. All right. Our second news story. Disney Cruise Line chosen as number one large ship line by Condé Nast. The 2015 Condé Nast Traveler Reader's Choice Awards have honored as the number one large ship line. This is the 13th consecutive year that Disney Cruise Line has been honored by the travelers who use the Condé Nast website. 128,000 readers participated in this year's survey. Yeah, it's... uh I mean, they continue to win awards uh, along these lines, which is probably why they feel comfortable doing what they're doing, which is the subject of our next news story. That is true. And we, I, will, I will reserve all my comments for that. Okay. Disney Cruise Line cuts commission to travel agents. Disney Cruise Line has made a policy change that will affect the amount of commission travel agents receive for onboard bookings. Before the change, if a passenger booked a future Disney cruise while they were on their current cruise, travel agents earned a maximum of 16% commission. From now on, Disney has announced that they will only pay agents a flat 10% commission for the same rebookings. 
Many travel agents encourage their clients to rebook while on board a ship, a Disney ship, because the traveler receives a discounted fare, a shipboard credit to use on a future cruise, and can pay a reduced deposit. Quick to respond to the policy change was Royal, Royal Caribbean. This was great. Was Royal Caribbean International, whose vice president of international sales, Vicky Freed, stated, "Quote: We believe that those future bookings while on board are the most valuable booking we can get. You should have the full commission. And when a competitor makes a move like Disney did yesterday, it concerns us because we don't want to ever misbehave. And I don't know of another way to word that." We never want to misbehave with our travel agent partners. Our success is dependent upon your success. We're not stupid. That's so great. We're not stupid. <laughs> stupid. Wow. We're having the best year ever. Our stocks ab- uh, our stocks about to hit $100, and that's thanks to the support of the travel agent community. End quote. In fact, Freed said Royal Caribbean would try to find a way to increase travel agents' commission of onboard rebookings. According to Travel Weekly, quote, Royal Caribbean President Michael Bailey told her, Vicky, find a way to pay travel agents even more for those bookings that are made on board. Let's do some incentives. Let's give them back-end overrides. A Disney spokeswoman said, quote, this change is one of many adjustments the company makes in its business, end quote. Well, you know, I love... I, I love that Royal Caribbean Vicky Freed uh, took the shot. I mean, that's a great shot to take. She, she was she was open. She took it, and it hit. I mean, uh, but here's the difference: uh, the phrase "we're not stupid" is kind of cutting. <laughs> oh no, yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a great line. However, however, you've got to take a look at the difference in the businesses here. Uh, Royal Caribbean is a large cruise line. They have far more ships to fill than Disney does. Disney only has four ships. Royal Caribbean has somewhere in the order of 20, I believe. And it's while they, but they are going after the same demographic and and Royal Caribbean is benefiting right now substantially from the price that Disney Cruise Line is so expensive and people want to cruise, but they can't spend what Disney has. So they're, they're switching over to, to try and Royal Caribbean. We've been seeing it. Uh, happen more and more and but here's the thing here's the thing uh, Royal Caribbean uh, relies on I think I, I think I remember hearing that 80% of their bookings come from travel agents and I don't know what the exact number is for Disney Cruise Line but I guarantee you it's not that uh, the kind of brand affinity that Disney has they do get a lot more direct bookings people not going through travel agents so, the fact that their ships are sailing full, the, the fact that they can go ahead and basically charge about $5,000 for a veranda stateroom on a seven-night Caribbean cruise, when it's half that on the Oasis, which is Royal's flagship, and they're getting it, I figure, what the hell? But this has been, this has been part of Disney's history. Disney is very much willing to throw travel agents under the bus when it's convenient for them and then when the economy tanks and they get visited by three ghosts in the middle of the night (laughs) all of a sudden they want to work with you now every business I don't don't wish any ill on Disney Cruise Line of course Um, 
I'm an owner in Dreams Unlimited Travel, and this is a big product for us, so I certainly don't wish any ill on them. Um, but in every business, there are there are shifts, up and down, up and down, up and down. If you are going to be smart, not what was the word she used, stupid. Then you're going to kind of take the long view and say, okay, if we're going to do this, then maybe we need to try and adjust something somewhere else so that we're not alienating travel agents. Because when the crap hits the fan, as it invariably does in any business, we're going to need these people. Many years ago, Disney stopped paying commissions altogether to travel agents. And do you know there are still agencies that will not sell them because of that? There are still agencies that will not represent Disney's product because for a brief period of time, right after Michael Eisner took over, they said, we don't need to pay travel agents anything. They quickly realized that was incredibly stupid and went back to the model that they have now. But I've just seen a lot of, a, a lot of arrogance from Disney Cruise Line lately, and it seems to be getting worse and worse. And that's okay. That's okay, you know. Eventually, eventually, uh, if what they're doing is a bad decision, it's going to bite them in the butt. And if it's not, they'll succeed. But that's what I think this is. I think it's just the typical Disney arrogance that we've seen before. And eventually, you know, when the bottom falls out of the economy and, oh, we need to fill our ships, all of a sudden, you know, they show up at the front door with uh, flowers and chocolates and fishnets. Um, so, and this is the case all the way around. Disney's raised their prices to the point now where people are saying no more Disney Cruise Line; they can't afford it. They've started going to uh, pricing structures on board where there's more out-of-pocket expense for their guests for certain food items. So there, are, and they've changed their policies as far as bringing alcohol on the ship. Well, they've also changed their policies about leniency about how long you can hold a booking. Right, exactly. You know, they've they've put more, far more parameters around their bookings now than they ever used to. Right, it's a function of how well they're doing. And those ships are full, and they're going out full. And like you said, until the point comes where either they have another ship that they have to fill, or things are not going as great for them, they're going to turn around. And things are going to change back again. And don't get me wrong. It's an amazing product. I mean, this is really a first-class product. It's expensive, but there's a reason it's expensive. These are absolutely gorgeous ships. There is no other cruise line in existence that can match what they do, the way they do it, especially for the audience of children and families. And they, uh, the, the service, the quality of the staterooms, second to none. No argument. There's no arguing. It's the reason that they win awards from Condé Nast and any uh, any other number of organizations. I think that also goes back to, I'm not sure that goes to the quality as much as the brand affinity. I think there are diehard Disney fans. And I'm not suggesting that the quality is off. I think when you're looking at Condé Nast, that is a much more sophisticated traveler. Um, then you know. There's also in maybe these, some other in these things. There's other things that are taken into consideration, like the fact that they target families. Um, they uh, put things in place that are specifically appropriate and good for families to travel together. There's no question about it. We had this discussion about their adventures by Disney uh, river cruises. Adventures they've already Disney, won awards. They've won awards and they haven't sailed yet. And it's because they've come and they partnered with AMA Waterways and they've come up with these staterooms that now can sleep families, 
which is completely new to the industry. So they get kudos for that, and as well they should. We were just on what equates to a brand new Viking ship. We were on the Rinda. It's one of the new long ships. I think it's a year and a half old, and there's not a single stateroom that holds more than two people. Mm. I want to address this particular policy from the dreams and limited travel perspective, if I may. Sure. If I can. One of the things that sort of happened out there, there was this sort of gut reaction from travel agents. Well, that's it. We're not going to tell our clients to rebook on board. You know, this stinks and this is terrible. Dreams Unlimited Travel has always worked from the idea that we want to make sure our clients get the best price, the best value, the best vacation possible. So because of that, we are not saying do not rebook on board. You know, you're obviously going to get a discount. You're going to get a shipboard credit. You're going to get a reduced deposit in most cases. And the reason why I say that is that there are some exclusions to that where that doesn't apply. So we are not going out there and saying, oh, don't board book on board because they're mean to travel agents. What we've done, though, is we have to um, rework the incentive that we give our clients. One of the incentives that we do is a shipboard credit. So for onboard bookings, we have decided that we're going to have to give less shipboard credit for that booking because we have less commission to work with. We put that out there on the boards. We put that out there to our clients to make sure they understand that. We're hoping that that doesn't negatively affect our business, but we also hope that clients see that we're not you know, saying, no, 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 don't do this. This is in their best interest to do it going forward. It's just unfortunate that it affects us and now has a ripple effect onto the client who rebooks on board. Exactly. Exactly. Well, our job change the our way they do onboard bookings. If you didn't book with a travel agent and you've decided you'd like to, you can't go on a Disney cruise and now and say, I want to book with a travel agent. They won't let you do it. Right. Which is also a slap. Well, the the bottom line is that an agent is supposed to represent your best interest and that is getting you the best price. So, yeah, does it suck from the travel agent perspective that they've done this? Sure, it does. But if the agency agents and the agency has integrity, they're going to just be upfront with you and say, look, this is the best deal. Irrespective of what I'm getting paid, this is the best deal for you. And hopefully that attitude fosters a good relationship with the client and the client comes back to you again. That's what we hope for. That's what we've always tried to do with Dreams. And uh, just for the sake of full disclosure for anybody who may not know, John and I are both owners in Dreams Unlimited Travel. So I want to make sure that's out there clearly that uh, we have, a, we have a, a horse in that particular race. So, and there's all these noises going the on. Dogs, the dogs. There are dogs the and trucks packing up. And, um, so, all right. Um, I do want to follow up on one story that we had last week, unless you had anything else. Nope, that's that. it for me. All righty. Um, I did want to clarify uh, some things, correct some things from a news story we had last week. We talked about the Tower of Terror film being made, and there were some discussions about the rights to Twilight Zone and who those rights revert to and all that other good stuff. Um, we received an email from one of our listeners by the name of Steve Selikoff. Hey, Steve. And he writes, great job as always on the shows. I can't wait for them to be released. Since I live in Los Angeles and work in the entertainment industry, there were two things relating to Tower of Terror in the show that I wanted to help clarify. Number one, the new Tower of Terror movie is absolutely being controlled and financed by Disney and the producer Jim Whittaker, uh, who has a deal with Disney. Even though CBS released the original series, at some point, Disney must have been granted the rights to develop a movie for the attraction as part of the original deal. 
alternately, and this is conjecture on my part, the movie will simply be Tower of Terror and they will leave out any reference to Twilight Zone. As for Warner Brothers being involved, that project is completely separate from Disney's. It is based on the original TV series and has nothing to do with the ride. Uh, he also includes a link to an entertainment blog that kind of breaks that out, and we'll cl- include that in the show notes page this week. Um, he also writes that there are three distinct entities to keep in mind when talking about a TV show. The studio who owns it, the network who licenses the TV rights from the studio, and the sound stages where the show physically shoots. The parent company for every major network also owns their own TV studios. So ABC has ABC Studios, Fox has 20th Century Fox Studios, CBS has CBS Productions. Uh, For various financial reasons, approximately 75% of the scripted series on any given network are owned by the parent company's studios. Uh, For example, all of Shonda Rhimes' shows are owned by ABC Studios, and ABC uh, licensed the TV rights. However, where things get confusing is the remaining 25%. As we mentioned last week, uh, Big Bang Theory is actually owned by Warner Brothers. CBS pays them a license fee for the TV window, and that's it. Warner Brothers controls all the revenue streams. Um, so and he goes on to explain a lot of the other kind of nuances and details of how these things all work. It's incredibly complicated, but that's the business of show business. But he kind of clarifies for us where the... Uh, you know where the rights are in terms of uh, in terms of Tower of Terror, but I know you had something you uh, wanted to add. No, to I that. mean you you read. I responded to him and and said that the actual link he sent me was the link I was reading from. I just misread one of the sentences, so that's where I got confused. Um, and it was because it does talk about Warner Brothers in that article, and it was saying Warner Brothers is developing the movie too. But it was just the way it was worded was confusing, so I glazed over it and sent him. Uh, an email back, and I'll be excited for both movies since I enjoy the Twilight Zone a lot. However, I think it's I think it's fair to say we all know why it's Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Yeah, so it would fit into Hollywood Studios somehow. Yeah, you know they they needed to somehow not just plop this ride in there that didn't make any sense. Right, they did it for for uh, theming. So there's really nothing to do with the Twilight Zone. All right. And that will do it for the news for this week. We're going to move on to Rapid Fire. We'll start with you, John. All right. Speaking of Disney Cruise Line, um, the Disney Dream is finally out of dry dock and is sailing again. They had some really cool changes on board. Uh, Some things I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get a chance to see the ship uh, within the next couple of weeks. Um, The biggest change comes in the Oceaneers Club in the kids' area. There's going to be a Star Wars room. Children can sit in a replica of the Millennium Falcon cockpit and virtually pilot the ship through the galaxy. Gaming stations have been added for kids to play Star Wars-themed games. There'll be crafts, activities, a large screen showing a large screen showing episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, kids will even find a life-size R2D2 in the room. A version of Jedi Training Academy from Disney's Hollywood Studios. <clears throat> Blah, 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 blah. One of the things I did see someone do on the news, which is really cool, is they have a little thing where they you can use the force and you can move objects. Oh, that's cool. Force. That's I thought cool. that was cool. There's also going to be a Disney Infinity area, uh, giving kids the chance to actually become the characters in the game, even bring home exclusive Disney Cruise Line content once they play. Then there's going to be Vanellope's Sweets and Treats, a new gelato shop. On deck 11, it's themed like Sugar Rush, the car game in Wreck-It Ralph. Um, there's going to be a new pool area for adults, and which is Satellite Falls. 
So some really cool stuff is going on on the Disney Dreams, really specifically for kids, but still sounds like fun. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Kevin. It does sound like fun. Um, (laughs) Snarky, snarky. I found a book. And I'm really excited about it, and I wanted to share it. It doesn't usually fit into a rep. What is that? I really. Um, I found a book called The Nine Old Men, Lessons, Techniques, and Inspiration from Disney's Great Animators. It's written by a man, or put together by a man named Andreas Deja, and he was one of the Disney legends inducted just this I year. I saw him at D23. Right. Yeah. I have, um, Walt Disney's first group of animators was known as The Nine Old Men. And what this book does a lot of times when you're talking about animation, they write about these people and it tends to be a little dry. Reading about animation is not as good as reading about animation when some of the animation is there. So when reading just a biography of these people, I've always found it a little snoozy because you keep going back and you go on the internet to try and find examples of what they're talking about. I have found this book to be amazing. Um, It goes through each of the nine old men and it gives examples of, like for instance, this is from Sleeping Beauty and it's King Hubert. And what it does is, this is by Milt Call, one of the nine old men, but it shows you the evolution and it gives you a description of how that character came to be. These nine old men are responsible for, I apologize, I had to take notes. They're responsible for one of some of the iconic scenes from Disney movies that we love. First of all, the nine old men are Les Clark, Wolfgang Reithart, Eric Larson, Ward Kimball, Milt Call, Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnson, John Lonsberry, and Mark Davis. Um, also, Andreas Deja is responsible for some of the main animation for Gaston, Jafar, and Scar. So while no animator is solely responsible for a certain character, there are animators that are the major push behind the development. Les Clark, um, he's responsible for Sorcerer Mickey. He's the main push behind Sorcerer Mickey in Fantasia. Uh, he did Wendy in Peter Pan. Wolfgang Reithart did Monstro and the Dinosaurs in uh, Fantasia. Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad, that was for Julie. Eric Larson is responsible for Lady in the Tramp's Peg and 101 Dalmatians Raleigh. Ward Kimple is Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Jiminy Cricket, uh, the Cheshire Cat, and Bacchus in... Fantasia. Milt Kahl is the Duke in Cinderella. Sher Khan in Jungle Book. Medusa, one of the best characters in any Disney movie, in The Rescuers. Frank Thomas is responsible for Lady Tremaine in Cinderella. Boy, their dog, her dogs are really going insane today. They are. The Queen of Hearts, the Talking Doorknobs. That one's for you. Um, he's responsible for Captain Hook. He's also responsible for the Lady in the Tramp spaghetti scene, which... I know that Sorcerer Mickey is the icon on Disney. I'm sorry, Lady in the Tramp spaghetti scene is kind of, in my opinion, one of the real top scenes of any Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Ollie Johnson is uh, Bambi learning to walk, and Baloo from Jungle Book. John Lonsbury is Colonel Hottie. Uh, Baloo and King Louie doing I Want to Be Like You. And in my opinion, one of the greats, the top of the greats is Mark Davis, who's responsible for Maleficent, uh, Snow White dancing. Uh, Bambi Flower and Thumper, Brer Bear and Brer Rabbit, uh, Cinderella's Transformation, 
from rags to ball gown and that was walt disney's favorite scene of any movie ever made uh he liked the message that your dreams can come true uh he's responsible for tinkerbell cruella and aurora I think this is, if you've got a Disney fan or a Disney animation fan, this would make an amazing Christmas present. It's under $40 through Amazon. It's also available in a Kindle version for just under 32 bucks, but don't buy the Kindle version. There is way too much um, dial, or, um, way too much animation animation and drawings in here. You're going to want the actual It's also book. a coffee table book. I was, just, I was just going to say. Yeah. It's great to sit on your coffee table. It's for... The stuff inside is great to flip through. You don't have to read it, read it. You can just flip to any part. I've read a lot of Disney books. So a lot of times I find that I skim looking for information that I didn't know before. I have found that I go back to this every day. I keep finding something new in it. And I don't usually get that excited about one of these books because a lot of times they retread the same ground. In my opinion, this is new. And this is pretty spectacular. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Jenny Lynn. I'm sorry I got lost in what he was saying because I'm really interested in that. We got a good Christmas present for my daughter, Marco. Um, okay, my rapid fire. There is going to be a, a new brunch coming to 1900 Park Fair for the holidays from November 22nd to November 28th and December 20th to January 2nd. They will be having a grand brunch at 1900 Park Fair from 12.45 p.m. to 3 p.m. every day. The menu includes carved herb roasted New York strip loin, made-to-order omelets and eggs, carved Floribian jerk turkey breast. Sorry, that was a lot to say. Breakfast burrito bar, vanilla French toast, peel-and-eat shrimp, Mickey waffles, and bread pudding. The cost for adults is basically $24. Children 3 to 9 is 13 this is not That's a, actually a really good price. The reason is there's no characters at this meal. Oh. So it's well, let's a, hope the food is halfway decent a, because that's always been 1900 Park Fair has always yeah. been hit or miss. So a nice, more miss than hit. A new a new brunch at 1900 Park Fair for the holidays. No characters. Decent price where you can get holiday food. I guess. Awesome. The end. Thank you, JL. Ms. Gailey. <laughs> So my rapid fire today is um, about a new window that is on Main Street, USA. Uh, former Walt Disney World president Meg Crofton will forever... The cleaning woman. <laughs> ...will forever be looking over the Magic Kingdom. The name of longtime cast member of the longtime cast member has been put on an upper story window on the theme park's Main Street, USA, and it's one of the company's highest honors. Um, landing a window is the Disney equivalent to a basketball player having his number retired. So, Well, okay. I'm sorry. Why? What are they going to do next? Is she going to become a Disney legend? Is she going to have her hand prints in Legend Plaza next to Elton John? Um, I'm sorry. This woman doesn't belong on Main Street. If, she, if, she, if there's a window on Main Street that should have Meg Croft, Crofton's involvement, she should be cleaning it, not have her name on it. I have this to me is absolutely they will hand this out to anybody. It's if really giving interesting. It, if they are giving this to Meg Crofton, they will hand this out to anybody. Yeah, I thought I want to know really... what the I want to know what the reasoning is because I, I'm not as impassioned as Pete is about her lack of ability, but there's nothing that I saw her do that was so great in moving the company forward. She was really good. Michael she Eisner. was really good at parroting uh, Jay Rasulo's words. 
because that's basically why she had the job, because Jay Rasulo had his hand way up her ass and moved her mouth around. And that's why Matt We Met didn't get the job, because Matt wasn't going to be a puppet. So they take the, some lady from Human Resources who barely knew her ass from a hole in the wall and put her in charge of Disney World. I mean, I don't see... And now she gets a damn window on Main Street. I don't I, see it her... It absolutely defies reason. The company moved forward. The company made money. It did better. But then when she first took, it, took over, but I don't see her doing something that was so forward-thinking that pushed the company to the next level as other people who have earned windows on Main Street. She wasn't innovative. Right. It would not yeah, surprise me at all if she becomes a Disney legend eventually. Oh, that would be... Then Then forget it. Then the whole, the whole concept of a Disney legend is lost. This struck me kind of a little bit that way, too, when I read this. I... I had never. She's the first person that's received a window on Main Street in the Magic Kingdom since 2011. Um, now her inscription on her window reads "Center for Leadership Development and Mentoring," followed by an illustration of shaking hands and the name Meg Gilbert Crofton. And below that is a quote: "We start leaders on their journeys." <laughs> Cut to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to me. That's all. That's the only thing I can say is. Yeah. Do you it's, think one of the windows broke and they just decided we have to replace it? <laughs> well, when you think about no, I think she has. She must have like, like really compromising pictures of somebody, and she's blackmailing them. That's the only thing I can think of. Well, there's fewer than 200 individuals that have these windows, and they're people like Roy O. Disney. Well, think come about, on. No, yeah, think I mean, about it for a second. Lee think Cockrell, about it. Frank Wells. Yes, Frank Wells, Lee Cockrell, Lee Cockrell uh, uh, Roy Disney, and Meg Crofton. It just rolls off your tongue, right? <laughs> just rolls off your tongue. Okay, let's go to something else because I'm just going to get more and more mad. Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> yes. Rhino. Uh, okay, mine is about um, a new event coming to the Sunset Showcase, um, and that is Club Villain. So beginning uh, in January of next year, um, there, it's going to be a specially ticketed event that will be, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, hosted by Dr. Facilier, Craig's favorite um, villain. He loves how much they always push that villain on everybody. Um, but he'll be joined by Maleficent, Queen of Hearts, Cruella de Vil, and Evil Queen. Um, and guests of this event will enjoy uh, a musical, a, a house DJ, meet and greets, dancing, and drinks from the Potions Bar, and New Orleans specialty to eat um the menu looks really interesting because it's like um some beef strip loin rubbed with herbs to provide i can't speak um, herbs provence yeah there you go fancy word um voodoo <laughs> sticky pig wings with citrus gramolata gramolata i don't know um and spicy shrimp sauteed with andouille sausage tomato okra and onions with creamy polenta now the price is a hundred dollars per oh, excuse me 99 dollars per person and that includes gratuity um, reservations are open now if people want to. Assuming if, if you need a park ticket. Assuming it's not included. Yeah, yeah. It's, gonna, it's, it's not, it's not going to include, yeah. yeah Where's Sunset yeah. Plaza? Um, it's um, back like where like Rock and Roller Coaster is. They built that like club area. It was supposed to be like, it's like a rest most of the time, I think. If this is, this sounds like it's going to be very similar to what they did during Villains Unleashed in the Hollywood Brown Derby. And I have to say, that was cool. That was really a lot of fun. The character interaction was great. Food was great. It was really tough to get a table that night. But that was one of the highlights of uh, Villains Unleashed. So I think that's where, they're, that's where they're going with this. 
Now, whether or not it's worth $100 remains to be seen. Yeah, especially because it's kind of like, um, who did I say? It was uh, it's like Maleficent, Queen of Hearts, Cruella de Vil, and Evil Queen. So the only one that you don't really usually see, I would say, is Queen of Hearts, except for like a Halloween party. And, and I guess Dr. Facilier, but... There's nobody in that group that I'm like, like when they said the Hocus Pocus but stage I will show, like I gotta you, go. I will tell you, Cruella DeVille, during, during Villains Unleashed and the Club Villain, Cruella DeVille had that place rolling. She was amazing. Isn't that hosted by them? I'm assuming other villains will show up. Well, it, it says uh, Dr. Facilier is the host. Oh. Yeah, how, that, so. how the one Pete's talking about worked is it was basically like a nightclub inside the Brown Derby and... Uh, like you just mentioned, Cruella DeVille was basically the entire host of that, and she was doing her lounge singer shtick. Oh, it was and great. It was, yeah, no, that was the only redeeming factor of that awful, awful event. So it makes perfect sense that they're trying to adapt it into a hard ticket thing now. And as long as the entertainment is on par with what it was in that one, I think for $99, this actually will be worth and it. And the food was very good, too, in oh, that. excellent. And so, and, and, and this includes drinks. So there's the pot, there's the potential here that it's worth ninety nine dollars, but we'll have to go check it How out. How long so was it? Yeah. How many? How much, couple of you should make the reservations and go check it out. How much time oh. was it? Um, it it didn't it didn't actually say. It just says starting. Um, oh, my phone froze. It said um, starting on the sixteenth, but it doesn't say. It doesn't really have an end date. It says I'm just that reservations. But I mean, it doesn't say like nine to midnight. Oh or, no, no. It do, yeah, it doesn't even say the time of day. Probably a couple hours. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Rhino. Steve. All right. I have a story that was from ABC News. It was uh, Disney fans recreate life-size replica of Andy's room from Toy Story 3. Um, it's not really parks-related, but I just thought that these it was two teenagers, and I thought they deserved some credit. They posted on their Tumblr page uh, a recreation of the room, and I had a double like look at the picture because it looked... That I, is a picture of it, right? Yeah, it, it's actually a picture of the room. I thought for sure that that was from the movie... And it wasn't until I saw a side-by-side with the picture from the movie and then their room that I had to realize, like, the little differences. But, um, yeah, You got a they, blue chair and an orange desk? And we're excited about that? I don't know. <laughs> I, well, they have the whole room. There's There was more pictures. What? Do you want pudding? <laughs> what that means? <laughs> You're a grumpy old man. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a, they have more pictures on their Tumblr. It's... Uh, Pixlerist is their Tumblr page, um, and they have a full the full size room. It took them three years. So, oh wow, wow. yeah, Jeez. pretty thought, cool. Thought it was really cool. Very creative. Could have been yeah. studying, but that's just my. <laughs> they failed out of college. That's what they, they failed to mention. In that. <laughs> they could have right. used their time better. <laughs> All right, thank you, Steve Craig. Okay, so. Oh, so, I thought you. Well, I thought you were pointing at me. I'm sorry. So uh, over at the Gasparilla Grill at. Uh, the Grand Floridian Resort, they have decided to spice up their menu a little bit by uh, adding everyone's favorite healthy treat on the menu, hot dogs, to their menu, but in a special way. So they now have seven new gourmet hot dogs that are on the menu, but uh, it's going to be a different hot dog featured every day, and all of them are inspired by cities and states from across the U.S. Uh, It sounds very familiar to what Hot Dog Hall of Fame over at... Uh, Universal City Walk did try to come up with different specialty dogs from different ballparks all around the world. And uh, so on Sundays, you can find the Cleveland Dog, uh, which has coleslaw, hot sauce, 
and fries on it. On Mondays, you find the Seattle dog with cream cheese, jalapenos, cabbage, and sriracha. Uh, That's disgusting. (laughs) Tuesdays, the Kansas City dog topped with sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, and served on a sesame seed bun. Uh, Wednesday, the Memphis dog topped with bacon, barbecue sauce, chopped scallion, shredded cheddar cheese. Uh, That sounds pretty good. Idaho dog. This dog is served on a baked potato instead of a bun, topped with bacon bits, chives, sour cream, cheddar cheese. I saw this thing. It looks disgustingly unhealthy, but you fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Friday, the New York dog topped with mustard, sauerkraut, and onion sauce, and followed by Saturday with the Chicago dog served on a poppy seed bun, topped with pickle spears, tomatoes, whole spart peppers, chopped onions, green relish, mustard, and celery salt. So Just a regular... Chicago hot dog. I'll just have to spend a week at Grand Floridian having a different hot dog daily and then updating you on my uh, clock part. All right. Thank you, Craig. We are going to move on and talk about uh, the top 10 trip planning threads on Disboards.com. Last month, I mentioned that uh, every time I did the top 10 threads, we were going based on traffic. And it's all negative. A lot of negative stuff is what seems to rise to the top so we wanted to do something start doing something different so jackie came up with the idea of doing the top 10 trip planning threats on disports.com and she is here to tell us what they are all right so this is pretty fun you guys um if anyone's planning a trip to walt disney world really fun threads going on um, so for October, we have um, in the camping at Walt Disney World board. So I have to tell you guys, before I came to Walt Disney World, I had no idea that there were campgrounds. Absolutely no idea that there was actually a resort that you could either pitch a tent or drive your RV to and hook it up and camp there. It's pretty cool. So there is a whole thread on the Camping at Walt Disney World board for live trip reports. And the October, they have one for each, there's one for each month there. And it's really a cool one. So the October 2015 live trip reports thread, really cool. If you've ever thought about um, camping at Walt Disney World, really fun stuff. So, um, and of course, there'll be links to all of these in the show notes. So if you guys want to um, check out these I'm so threads. glad, I'm so glad Jackie told us we can pitch a tent at Walt Disney World. <laughs> yes. That's what we're giggling about. You can. Sorry, Jackie. Church giggle, sorry. You don't want to go pitch a tent? It's very cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sorry. I, I'm not addressing that. What happened the last couple weeks we gone? Did you all become children? Yes. Yep. Yep. Indeed. That's what happens. That's That'll right. teach you to go on vacation for so long again. See? And you not breaking the smile is the reason why you have your job. <laughs> so number nine is the wine and dine 2015 thread um i know lots of lots of people that like to do the run disney events they are really cool lots of characters on the course um lots of fun lots of um families doing the 5ks um there's the avengers marathon coming up so check out the run disney events competition board because there are threads on almost every one of the marathons coming up so the wine and dine 2015 thread is really hopping right now it's a really fun planning thread everybody's planning on you know they have maybe somebody has a spot open for someone else to come join them for breakfast so i'm um, talking about all kinds of stuff so if you're going by yourself definitely check out that thread and meet up with some friends before you get there um, really cool 
So number eight is what is your threshold for taking kids out of school on the Disney for Families board? This is a really good topic if you are considering a trip to Walt Disney World that is not during your kids' vacation. So lots of parents like to get on this board and kind of weigh in on why they do or do not believe that it's okay to take your kids out of school to go on a Disney trip. Um, I've seen lots of really interesting ideas uh, that parents share with other parents for projects that their kids can do while they're at Disney. So sometimes um, one that I read the other day that particularly struck me as being such a cool thing with um, everybody carrying an iPhone, you know, lots of most teenagers have a smartphone where they can record a video. So they would go into each of the countries at Epcot and just ask them to say a certain phrase in their language and they would record them and take a picture and they would share that with their class when they got back. So really creative teachers out there and, you know, of course, people from all around the world sharing all these things. Really neat stuff. So if you need some suggestions on, you know, if you're just on the edge of, you know, taking your kid out of school, read some of these things and bring it up to your kid's teachers and they might approve it. Um, Good idea. You never know. (laughs) So maybe you have a Disney fan for a teacher. Um, Number seven, single parents contemplating a first trip alone. And now this is on our Disney for single parents board. Um, Oftentimes I see parents talking about, I'm scared to go to Disney by myself with my three kids that are, you know, maybe under eight years old. They don't know if they're going to be able to handle all the kids and and their needs and get on rides and you know they're afraid because they don't want to be the only adult and to sort of be stuck and not sure what to do this thread is really cool so there's lots of single parents on there talking about you know this is what i do lots of ideas lots of um, people posting that you know they're afraid to do this what should i do and you never know who's out there in the world that has the same exact situation that you do so if you're a single parent contemplating a first trip alone with your kids there's always lockers that's true that's an old idea mickey might frown on that though You'd still put them in the locker. (laughs) Putting the kids in the locker. locker. (laughs) They can breathe in there, no problem. Yeah, that's true. They can. (laughs) Stick some french fries in through the holes in there. Yeah, there you go. Hey. Problem solved. (laughs) That's all. Done. (laughs) Um, Number six is the everything poo-sized thread. And this thread actually... Um, is a thread that I read extensively when I was planning my first trip to Walt Disney World because I have all of this fluff going on. And so when I saw poo-sized, I wasn't really sure what that meant, but it was in the back of my mind because anytime I had ever gone to Disneyland um, and tried to get on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, it was a little tricky sometimes. And so I was scared to go across the country that maybe I wasn't going to fit in some of these rides and I would either be embarrassed or just bummed, you know. Um, the Everything Poo Size thread talks about all kinds of things and happy to report that I didn't have any problems fitting on any of the attractions at Walt Disney World, which is one of the reasons why I'm such a huge fan because they really do take everything into consideration. Um, this thread, again, talk about everything. So, you know, people talk about where they carry their weight and if a certain seatbelt on a certain attraction is better in the front car or the back. Um, So many details. So, so, so helpful. Um, Can't encourage you enough to read that thread if you um, if it applies. Uh, Number five 
is the chit chat thread for November advanced dining reservations. This one is on the Disney dining reservations board along with our number four thread. I'm going to kind of talk about these two threads together. So for those of you that frequent the restaurants board for the Disney dining reservations, we have a really cool tradition on the disc boards where people can post if they've made their reservations 180 days in advance, and then it is either 30 or 60 days prior to their vacation where they can go in and schedule their fast passes. Oftentimes when they schedule their fast passes, they need to change their dining reservations up a little bit. So what mm. we have is a really cool way that you can go onto the disc board. And so for example, this one is called the, um, uh, November canceled ADR thread and you always want to make sure that you read the first post on these threads because sometimes things change a little bit so in November there happens to be a few changes so make sure you read that first post if you go on this one um, but people can post and say for example I have a reservation on November 16th for a party of 10 at Cinderella's Royal Table for breakfast I'm going to be canceling it because we're not going to Magic Kingdom that day now so they'll post that there and you can coordinate with that person if you're interested in that reservation you can send that person a private message and you can say hey let me know when you're going to cancel that reservation and then they'll cancel it and you can hop on right at the same time and try to get it of course there's no guarantee but it's a really cool way to have a chance at maybe getting a reservation that you really want. Um, lots of changes happen at the 60-day mark for guests that can make their FastPass reservations then, uh, selections rather, and lots of changes happen at the 30-day mark when people can make their, their FastPass selections. And so that's a great thread. There's one for every month. Um, and then the chit chat thread for your November ADRs, that's where you can talk about different things. So on the cancellation thread, we don't, we don't want any chit chatting going on there. So we don't want any, oh, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. So again, it's really important that you read the rules on the first page. So, but use those two threads. I know there's been a lot of frustration about dining reservations. So those are some really good ones. Um, number three, is a thread on our resorts board that is all about club level so it's everything you could ever want to know informations and questions about staying club level at any of the walt disney world resorts really really good info um, especially if you have never stayed club level or if you don't know what goes what comes with that so uh, these folks that post in here, they do it all the time. Very knowledgeable about what it includes at each of the resorts and really fabulous thread if it's something that you are considering if you just want to kick that vacation up a notch. Um, number two is the FastPass Plus Basic Info Suggested Priorities and Strategies. Now this thread here is part two and it was started back in September of 2014. Um, but there's a part one also if you wanted to go back even further but part two is the most current one um it's almost 200 pages long this is a really busy thread mm -hmm. um it's a great thread if you're it's looking always for, uh, always been one of the top threads uh this year for the uh, year yeah. yeah 
That's wonderful. It's it's got such fantastic information. And um, when Pete was talking about last week about some of the top or last month about the top ten threads, um, there's a lot of negativity surrounding fast passes and people that don't like them and whatnot. Um, so we had quite a few threads on that top ten that were uh, about fast pass and people not being happy. So, but if you are looking for what is amazing about FastPass and how to make FastPass Plus work for you on your vacation, this is the thread you want to go to. So, and Mesa Boy is very active on that thread. He, Mesa Boy 2 is the one who started the thread and he's awesome about answering questions on there and uh, keeping that thread updated with current information all the time. So that one's on our theme parks, attractions and strategies board. It's a great thread. Um, and the number one planning thread for the month of October was our official 2015 Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party thread. And that party, uh, that thread is still going, even though the party, um, last party for the season was a couple days ago. Um, this one is still still buzzing. And uh, lots of people talking about the party, talking about different things that they've done, different strategies that they've used to make things work for them at the party. Um, now, the next one coming up here for November is, of course, going to be the Christmas party thread. So that one is also on theme park uh, attractions and strategies so if you're heading to the Christmas party either this month or December uh, be sure and check out that thread and uh, those are our those are our top 10 threads well, for planning well thank you uh, Jackie and speaking of the Christmas party if you're going to be there this Sunday for the first uh, the first one be keep, keep, keep an eye open for uh, for the team because we're going to be out there covering it for next week's show but thank you for that list Jackie I appreciate yeah. it uh, before we close uh, some of the guys had a chance to go over and check out the last, the beginning of the end of the Osborne Family Spectacle of Lights with all the changes coming to Hollywood Studios. This is the last year that the Osborne Lights are going to be on display. So I believe we have a little video uh, that we're going to show that was put together last night. So let's go ahead and cut to that. Well, great video, guys. Good job. So tell me what your thoughts on it were last night. Uh, I, I, this is where I used to work, where I started working at um, Disney was in the uh, the backlands at Hollywood Studios in this particular area, and um, this was my last year working there. Um, so it it's kind of like one of those bittersweet, like oh the lights are going with me, like on the way out, <laughs> like I'll take the lights with me, and um, I I always really love um, t- seeing them, like it's. I, I but I I I always try to go toward the end because last night it was like 90 degrees and it was like 100% humidity so it was a little it was a little odd walking around when my jeans are sticking to my legs. Nice. Want a hot chocolate? Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Like yeah. slightly ridiculous. Get really really good in the spirit with that. But but I I will say like they seem to be on point this year with like little things you can look for. The snow machines were going crazy last night. Like don't open your mouth too wide as you're walking through the street. Um, <laughs> Uh, you'll get a big inhale there, um, but I I thought they were great. I thought they were, this is this will be a really good year to go out on. Yeah, so a little bit of history with the event. Obviously, it was started by uh, a man in Arkansas, Jennings Osborne, and uh, back in 1986, his young daughter wanted uh, you know Christmas lights to cover their entire house. So it started with a thousand red lights on there, and then quickly it grew to millions and kept getting more and more ridiculous. Uh, to the point that 
their entire neighborhood was almost practically covered from lights, I guess. And uh, obviously they got in trouble for that and legally. And so then whenever they were looking for a new place uh, to do it, Disney uh, came to the rescue and it used to be back on residential street for the longest time. And now that residential street wasn't there uh, after it was all torn down, then they moved it to the streets of America and that's where it's been going since. And, Basically, the event starts, uh, like you saw in the video, right around uh, dusk, which uh, last night that would have been 6 o'clock. And they flick the switch, and then all the lights come on. And uh, for about the first half an hour of the event, uh, about every other song, they will do the actual dancing lights to either uh, one of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra Strongs or Strongs songs (laughs) or Barbara Streisand's uh, Jingle Bells. Jack Skellington with What's This? Uh, so they're just a really fun display, obviously, if you've never seen it before. Um, and then from there, as the event progresses, it goes on and on, and uh, it, it starts getting a little less uh, less uh, active in that. So it switches about every two or three songs. They'll do the lights. And either way, it's still cool. It's a good way to spend an hour or night or so. And this year, besides adding in a little bit more touches, uh, like Rhino mentioned, they also... Uh, you know, they have their merry and bright dessert party, which is happening on select nights throughout the rest of the year and pretty much every night except for the 17th, the 9th, and the 18th. And it's a dessert party that costs $69 for adults, 39 for children, and they have this nice little uh, reserve section that they can sit off in and enjoy the lights further back by Lights Motor Action area. Yeah, this is the this is where the uh, Backlot Tour used to do its turnaround loop yeah. in the park. So it's all Kate. It's all like fenced into. You feel, you know, yes. watch the other people and <laughs> run then, around like ants. Yep. And then for the last couple shows of the year, the first, second, and third of January, uh, they're actually doing a full dinner reception that uh, comes with a pretty big buffet dinner, uh, keepsake shadow box that will actually have one of the light bulbs. <laughs> used on the display so you get to have that forever and that event is 99 for adults and 54 for children with the uh tax and gratuity included too and uh yeah so a lot's going on this year they're definitely trying to take this event out with a big bang and you know honestly by surprising everyone in hollywood studios annual pass holders knew that they were doing this preview week uh this week but uh any resort guests didn't find out about it so it's been a big surprise not only that uh everyone's involved but we also get to see the lights a complete week earlier than normal so uh, it, it was a really good time except for the humidity again yeah, yeah it's been kind of crazy that it's november and we're still dealing with this humidity it's very late in the season i really thought we were going to have an early fall yeah i was just at the when chat first started everybody's talking all over the country that it's warm we're going to new york tomorrow and i thought i'm gonna need a coat it's supposed to be 72 mm. <laughs> I'll tell you, when the lights came on, this was my first time seeing the show. This is my first time being in Disney World in the fall and wintertime. Uh, when the lights came on, I had an involuntary gasp. Like, I I wasn't, like, I was just was your so, first, This was, yeah, your first time. Yeah, this is my first time, and, the, like, the lights came on. I was, like, I don't know. I was just blown away. This is something that I'm already sad it's gone, even though I am just seeing it. And... I think that that speaks pretty highly of it. I I actually wrote a review last night when I got home, and I was trying to think of, like, because I like to be critical if there's something to be critical of, and the only thing I could say was the weather. And to Disney, that's not Disney's fault. Yeah, exactly. So I I just thought it was a great event. 
it's uh, what I love about this event too is it's one of, it's it's like what you said you had that gasp anybody who sees this for the first time it is very breathtaking I, I mean I, like I said I've, I've been for Disney for like eight or nine years now and it, it was it's still one of those like whoo like it it takes you back to see a building this covered in it but the crazy part is how it's it's just free I mean if you're in the park mm-hmm. already you can just wander through like I, yeah. I don't know I, I I like that 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 aspect of it a lot yeah the accessibility of it I this is my favorite Christmas event in all of the Disney parks I'm so sad that it will be going and again I, I agree with what Steve was saying other than the the weather uh, last night was incredible and I do feel like they really taken it up a notch with this year there's so many little more little uh disney references in it it's not just a spectacle of lights they've got all kinds of little displays characters hidden in windows and little um not just hidden mickeys which there are 90 of them this year but other little hidden gems small olafs or star wars window yeah there's you know star wars decorated window they have the the lady in the tramp thing um area with tonys and lights um, set in one of the alleys this year, which is a really cute, romantic little touch yeah. there. And um, it's it's those little that things this year, along with the you know the standard traditionals, the leg lamp and the ABC window, and um, the 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 cat, the the Halloween cat that gets you know switched around every year, and you go on the hunt for that. It's I really do feel like they're they're they are taking it out with a bang. But it also you have that sense of regret, like man, this is it, because it is. It's such a a beautiful, it's such a beautiful event. I think I, I walked around with Steve for most of the evening last night, and one of the things that I I realized that I love so much about this is we go to Disney, and so often it's go go go, um, you know, this then this then this then this. With this event, it's completely the opposite. The point is, you know, people just standing around and being together in the event um it's it is about the lights obviously but because of the the type of event that it is it's also about the people that you're with being with the people that you're with in that um it's the atmosphere of you know it's so beautiful and the songs are happening and you've got the the, it helps you get that holiday feeling and people bust into you know spontaneous dancing happens and you know when it's not 90 degrees you're sipping hot chocolate and the fake snow falling it's just a very fun thing to do and it's not fun because you're traveling at you know 70 miles per hour going downhill or being you know dropped it's just being you know i just love it there was a, a guy who um in the town where I grew up um who wanted to be like a Jennings Osborne who had this house that he would just you could hear the music from like it was this like off the side the main road but you could hear it and see it like streets down this guy would blanket his lights and everything and i think his neighbors hated him too but um so for me when i started working here in 2007 this was the first time i'd really been like lived away from home um and if you get there on a cold night and you know and it's just you can kind of just sit and watch like people you know who have never seen displays like this before it was the i have a soft spot for it because it was the first time where i felt like home a little like touch of home for me in this area so it's it's i always kind of feel like that when i get in the street i don't i don't know you know it's like a cold night we'll have one of those someday well and for people out there who also love merchandise and stuff like that there are some uh exclusive items uh as always uh the big thing to find this year are obviously the 
the final event t-shirts and clothing that they have. So there's uh, two specific shirts. There's a red one that says that's a wrap and kind of shows the characters boxing up the lights. Oh. And that's for annual pass holders only. Uh, but then there is a green long sleeve version that anyone can buy as well as some exclusive ornaments, stuff like that. So they're definitely making sure that uh, people will definitely, they'll have keepsakes to take away from this event. Uh, if, they want to in terms of spending extra money to do that instead of just looking at the lights all right well sounds like it's uh they did they, they did a good job uh yeah. putting this together for its final one so uh be sure if you're going to be here for the holidays that you go and check it out it really is an amazing experience and we're not going to get to have it again so well thank you guys for putting that together and checking it out for us and thank you guys for joining us that's going to do it for this episode of our show we hope you enjoyed it We'll be back with you again next week with another edition of The Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Have a good week. <laughs>